And now, here's your host, Milo Beasley. And welcome to a brand new episode of This Week in Disney History. I am your host, Milo Beasley. And we have, man, we have a lot of things for you. Um, some birthdays, some some movies, uh, and a lot, actually quite a bit of like attraction closures. Although we do have some attraction openings as well. It is the first of the year. We're going to talk about some limited time magic. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. We're going to start with this Sunday. So uh, we're going to start with January 10th. January 10th, 19th. 30, we're going to kick things off in the Wayback Machine with a birthday. Happy birthday to Roy E. Disney, who is Roy O. Disney's son and Walt's nephew. Uh, he became a, um, a senior executive at the Walt Disney Company, and he um, he helped create the, uh, the Save Disney campaigns, uh, helped establish SaveDisney.com. I don't know if you heard about this. Uh, I think it was... At, uh, mid-2000s, and it actually helped with the ousting of Michael Eisner as the uh, the CEO of the Walt Disney Company. So um, and there's a lot of folks who uh, want Eisner back uh, after some of the things that have been done. But yes, yeah, so Roy O. Disney, born this day, helped kick Michael Eisner out of <laughs> position at the Walt Disney Company. Uh, this day, January 10th, 1932, the very first Silly Symphonies color comic uh, featured Bucky Bug. Now, Bucky Bug was the first Disney character to make a first appearance in a comic strip outside of, uh, you know, the traditional Mickey Mouse universe, the Mickey Mouse land. Um, so he wasn't, you know, uh, he did not make his debut in a cartoon like many others did. Um, you know, like the Silly Symphonies did. Uh, he made his debut on a comic strip. Oh, here's a good one. January 10th, 1970. The Walt Disney World Preview Center opens uh, to guests who want to uh, to learn about the upcoming opening of Walt Disney World. That would happen in, let's see, just, uh, 10, uh, 12, uh, 20 months, approximately 20, 19 20 months uh, in the future. So if you wanted to see what Walt Disney World was all about, you could head to the preview center. Of course, this was just going to be uh, Magic Kingdom and then what the Polynesian and Contemporary Resorts. So that was Walt Disney World. Um, it was located um, near what is now Downtown Disney. The building still exists. If you want to go check it out, uh, it's now just a, an AAU building. Um, but yeah, the building still exists. It's obviously not a preview center anymore. Uh, it would be really cool if they actually repurchased the, uh, the building and used it for like a, uh, not necessarily a preview center, but a review center, uh, and, and show some of the things that, um, that Walt Disney World used to be, or man, there's so many things coming like, uh, more attractions, the 50th anniversary, more DVC buildings, uh, come just popping up left and right. So it would be cool if there was a preview center for that as well. That wasn't so tough to get into like at Saratoga Springs. If you just want to go check out the DVC stuff. And then on this date, 
January 10th, 2005. I don't know if you guys remember the 75 Mickey statues. Uh, they were created for the um, 2003 75th anniversary of Mickey Mouse. But 2005, so two years, uh, two years after they were, uh, they popped up. Well, I guess a, a year and a couple months. Uh, they finally appear over at Disney's California Adventure, and then I think shortly after this, they would be split up and sent to different locations around, um, around the country. I think maybe perhaps around the world as well. Uh, I first saw them in 2003. Uh, in front of Magic Kingdom. They were really, really cool. They were all like six-foot-tall statues, all painted different ways. Very cool. There's a lot of cool pictures. Obviously, this is a podcast, so I can't really show you. Perhaps I will show a, a picture on the uh, the Twitters when I'm advertising this, when I'm promoting it, uh, of the statues. But yeah, I would, uh, if you haven't seen them, Google the 75 Mickey statues. Uh, they are all really, really cool. There was one that was like all cheese. That was my favorite. All right, so we're going to move on to January 11th, January 11th, 1990, Disneyland kicks off its 35th anniversary celebration. And uh, what was big about that, obviously it wasn't on the exact date, but uh, Ronald Reagan, Bob Cummings, and Art Linkletter were together at Disneyland for the first time since Disneyland's opening day in July 1955. So that's actually kind of cool that they were able to get them all together again. Uh, Ronald Reagan, for those of you who are unfamiliar, was an actor who was featured in the Back to the Future movie series. Um, you can see his some of his movies in the background uh, playing at the at the movie theater. So I think that's his uh, his claim to fame. Also, <laughs> January 11th, uh, 2001 was the grand opening of the Downtown Disney District, I think it's called, uh, at the Disneyland Resort. So there was Downtown Disney and uh, Walt Disney World. And now this is the uh, Downtown Disney at Disneyland. This was the grand opening. I think it would fully open the next day to guests. Um, but I think right now, this is probably, this is really the only area, I guess some areas inside of, uh, Disney's California adventure, some of the shops and stuff, but downtown Disney, which is still called downtown Disney in Disneyland. Unlike, uh, at Walt Disney world where they changed the name to Disney Springs, downtown Disney is really the only place at Disneyland that you can go and shop and eat and walk around and say you're at Disneyland. So uh, I obviously haven't been in over a year and a half, year and a half, almost two years now. So I, uh, I need to get myself back over there, even if I can't go in. Hopefully they open up a little bit sooner. Uh, speaking of DCA, um, this date in 2002, Superstar Limo Attraction closes at Disney's California, which I have, I don't know anything about this uh, attraction. Um, obviously, 2002 was before I became a, um, uh, a a lifestyler, as some call it, a regular at the Walt Disney World Resort. I didn't even make my, I didn't even go to California until I think was 2014 ish, 2015 maybe. Uh, so yeah, so I have no clue about the superstar limo. Uh, I think it was replaced by what, um, 
uh, possibly uh, Monsters, Inc., I think. Somebody's going to correct me and be like, no, you idiot. It was... So I want to go ahead and move on. Uh, and then... Um, a lot of lot of Disneyland here on the uh, on the second day of this week uh, in 2016 to make way for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge construction work. Uh, a ton of um, Rivers of America attractions and um, uh, shops and eateries, like little carts and stuff like that, all shut down, including uh, Mark Twain's Riverboat and the Fantasmic Show at Disneyland, uh, which is actually, you know, uh, as opposed to, uh, being in a, a stadium, uh, like Walt Disney world, uh, phantasmic is seen on the, um, the rivers of America over at Disneyland park, uh, January 11th, 2017, the Iron Man experience opens up at Hong Kong Disneyland. This won't be the last time we talk about Hong Kong. So if you're a fan, stay tuned. Uh, but this was actually the very first Disney attraction based on on uh, a Marvel property. So oh, uh, I think we have, we have a couple more. I mean, we have an entire little Marvel land opening up at uh, Disney's California Adventure. But I think what Paris is have is Paris is retheming the Rock and Roller Coaster to an Iron Man uh, attraction, right? So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If, are there any other open Marvel uh, attractions or rides? Gosh, I can't. I can't think of any. I mean, there there might be. I just can't think of any right off the top of um, of my head, especially at the at the United States space parks. So I'm sure. I'm so again. Somebody's going to correct me, and I'm going to feel silly. Uh, moving on to January twelfth, we have a little controversial birthday here um I, and there's one main reason i want to talk about it but 1957 january 12th 1957 john lassiter uh celebrates his birthday now i know uh, a lot of folks are like "Ooh, you know uh, after being kind of ousted um from the uh the disney family he was actually the co-founder of pixar but prior to that did you know that John Lasseter, co-founder of Pixar, uh, his name, you know, producer, you know, executive producer of, of so many Pixar films, was actually a Jungle Cruise skipper at Disneyland. So it just goes to show that, like, uh, you know, you can work your you can work your way up uh, in the Disney company, uh, starting off as a Disney Cruise skipper, uh, then working. I believe at the uh, the animations, and then again co-founding the Pixar Studios. Uh, January twelfth, nineteen ninety, International Gateway opens up at the Epcot Center. Uh, this is a little area in between. Um, so what is that? England and France, is that right? Yes, the UK Pavilion and France, a little area over there. Uh, it opens up so you can uh, have easy access to yacht and beach club, the boardwalk resort, Swan and dolphin. Uh, yeah. So you can have the, the boardwalk loop is what it's called. Uh, I guess informally. Uh, so yeah, uh, if, to have easy access to the boardwalk loop, international gateway is opened up. Uh, so that way you can walk straight from the hotels straight into Epcot without having to go to the front of the park. I love international gateway. 
actually, and and there is where, um, and that's where you get on for the the Skyliner if you want to go over to Studios or actually, uh, there's actually a walkway from International Gateway from Epcot to Studios. Uh, but you, if you want to take the Skyliner from there or some of the other resorts that the Skyliner goes to, uh, you go through International Gateway. January 12th, let's see where we're at. Two, January 12th, 2003, groundbreaking ceremony is held at Hong Kong Disneyland, officially starting uh, construction at the newest Walt Disney World, or Walt Disney World, the Walt Disney Company Park. Um so yeah, this is one of two parks that I have yet to go to. Uh, I've yet to make my way over to Hong Kong and have yet to make my way over to the Shanghai Disneyland. So uh, I do need to go over there. I've heard many good things about uh, some of the attractions and stuff. So uh, I definitely I definitely need to get over there. Who knows when, they're, when things open up. Um, obviously, we're not going to be able to travel for a while. So we're going to go ahead and move on to January 12th, 2004. It was announced that the Florida Animation Studios will close. Uh, this this was a huge hit. Um, I think the last thing that the, that the studios had done was Lilo and Stitch. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure the, the last big big thing that they had done is... But uh, you can actually see during the uh, the backlot tour at MGM. So the, the animation studios were actually at MGM Studios. And you can actually see them, see the animators work during the backlot tour. So that was really cool. So um, if uh, you can actually you know, see some of the, you know, your fa- some of your favorite animated movies during that time. Uh, was that, uh, I think, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, all that stuff you know, uh, I don't, I almost said filmed, uh, drawn at the animation studios that would then close up, uh, January 12th, 2013. Speaking of closing up the main street bakery closes at Walt Disney world, super controversial as they announced that would uh, reopen, but as a Starbucks, there's a lot of people who hate Starbucks and there's a lot of people who like things the way that they are at Walt Disney World. A lot of purists, a lot of traditionalists who love the Main Street Bakery. But I can tell you, I have never seen the Main Street Bakery prior to 2013 have the lines that Starbucks has at the, on Main Street at Magic Kingdom. So... All in all, I think it was probably a good decision to partner up with Starbucks um, at the uh, at the Magic Kingdom at Main Street Bakery. And then January 12th, 2014, the um, it was my first my first Walt Disney World marathon, 26.2 miles, huge day in Disney history because I ran my first marathon. It was actually also the very First, it was the the last race of the very first Dopey Challenge. We talked about this last week. Uh, the 5K, 10K, half marathon, and full marathon, 26.2 miles. So, um, yeah, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four straight days of running, four straight days of waking up at 2, 3 a.m., uh, it gets it gets to you, and uh, sadly, we are not doing it this year. All the races were virtual, so not running through Disney World this year. Hopefully, we get a chance to go back to it. Um, I have done every Dopey Challenge since 2014. We are perfect, 
and there's nothing you can do to say that I'm not perfect. Uh, so moving on to January 13th, we, the, the ribbon for the medal even says perfect. So I'm perfect. Um, January 13th, again, in the Wayback Machine, 1930. We're spending a lot of time in that Wayback Machine this week. 1930 was the very first Mickey Mouse comic strip published in newspapers. It was published in the New York Mirror and other smaller newspapers around the country. But yes, so the very first time that Mickey Mouse's comic is published in a newspaper. So prior to that, um, uh, it was, you know, just on the the television and uh, the movie theaters. So that's if you wanted your Mickey Mouse fix. So there you go. Now you got it. Uh, And they still do uh, Mickey Mouse comic books now, but I don't think a comic strip. Uh, January 13th. Uh, we're still on uh, 19, oh, 1990, big day. The Star Tours at MGM Studios at the Walt Disney World has its grand opening, which is uh, kind of odd since it had actually already been running since like December of last year. So it already been running for two or three months before they finally had their big grand opening celebration. I absolutely love Star Tours at the, again, MGM Studios. Um, you know, just the, the outside with the ad at, and then, you know, the Ewok village is just, man, it's so cool. Uh, the, uh, the entrance to star tours over at the MGM. So, and then January 13th, 2001 house of mouse television show premieres on ABC television. This was a cool little, uh, cool little new cartoon featuring Mickey and all his friends. Uh, it would, uh, consist of like little shorts, uh, little cartoons that uh, I think Mickey would introduce. And uh, I think this is where Daisy first started getting, you know, showing her real attitude. And uh, I know a lot of folks love Daisy's attitude. So you can thank the House of Mouse. All right, moving on to January 14th, 2001. Uh, I'm going to say this day affected me quite a bit. Disney auctions. Uh debuts in a uh, partnership with eBay. So now uh, Disney is now offering one-of-a-kind limited edition items, a lot of artwork, uh, a lot of uh, collectible pins. And yes, I have spent hundreds of dollars on uh, Disney auctions over the years. Obviously, uh, I don't want to say obviously because perhaps you don't know, but Disney auctions is no longer a thing, but that makes a lot of the Disney auctions items very collectible. So pins that I may have spent $20, $30, $50 on back in the day are now worth hundreds of dollars on the secondary market. So there's some that uh, I have. There's some that I wish I had, but I'm not going to spend $500 on them because there's other things to spend $500 on. Uh, right, Disney Cruise Line? Uh, but yes, so <laughs> lots lots of Disney item, uh, auctions items in my house. So uh, also this day, January 4, 14th, 2008, a very cool little contraption called the Disney Magic Connection debuts in, in test sessions. Uh uh, several families were, were grabbed at, um, 
Walt Disney World and asked if they wanted to participate in these tests. And these little, uh, I don't want to, like, they were kind of like, um, kind of like phones, smartphones, but smart contraptions that, that were able to tell the guest uh, what the current wait times were and if there were any fast passes left for attractions. So uh, we pretty much have that now in my Disney experience. And I don't remember this actually rolling out. So perhaps the testing just didn't go over well. I mean, again, maybe somebody can correct me, but I don't remember these things actually coming out. Um, I think they ended up just being big boards. I think they just, just boards with wait times is what these eventually <laughs> ended up becoming. Uh, then they didn't want to spend any more production money or time into those. And then January 14th, 2013, we're going to talk a lot about the 2013s in this podcast because this was the one of the first limited time magic events that they held all 2013. Uh, this one was Winter Wonderland. Uh, which was celebrated. I actually think it was, uh, they did like a second one of these type events later. I think it was like a Christmas in July. We'll figure that out when we get to July. But this was Winter Wonderland. Uh, it was held over mainly at, was, yes, at the Epcot Center. Uh, there were characters dressed in their Christmas finest, as well as Snope, which, as you might know, is the uh, the fake snow <laughs> that they uh, that they spray in the air at the Disney parks? Snope, if you have not heard that before. So again, we'll be talking a lot about limited time magic next week's is uh, well, well, no spoilers, but I'm really excited to talk about next week's limited time magic. Uh, and then January fourteenth, two thousand fourteen, the very first Castaway Key Challenge as part of Run Disney is completed now. Uh, the, there was a castaway key 5k that is run on pretty much every single Disney cruise line. Uh, there's a, a, a 5k course that they, that they have on the Island, um, castaway key for those of you who don't know spelled C A Y pronounced K E Y, um, is, uh, is the private Island for Disney's, uh, cruise line. So when you go on a cruise and out, uh, I want to preface this out of uh, Florida, you will go to Castaway Key and there's an opportunity to run a 5K while you were there. You'll get a little plastic medal. But this was the first time that it was part of the Run Disney Challenge. Um, so yeah, so Castaway Key, um, their challenge. So uh, I, I did it. I was a sucker. And I signed up. I think actually I signed up the um, the second year of it. I don't remember. No, maybe it was the first year. I'll have to go back and look at my medal. But I think it says inaugural. And p- perhaps inaugural is spelled wrong. Because Run Disney tended to do that a lot on shirts and medals. <sighs> Big sigh. <laughs> so we're going to move on to January 15th. Uh, we talked a little bit about some controversial stuff, but how about January 15th, 1943, Walt Disney produced Education for Death, The Making of a Nazi, a little propaganda film that Walt Disney produced uh, that um, featured little Hans, a small town kid born in a small town in Germany 
who eventually became a a menacing killer soldier. The making of a Nazi. Sounds, oh, this is like uh, something you might see on the Netflix now. Or the, yeah, Netflix or the HBO Max. So maybe somebody can (laughs) redo Education for Death. The making of a Nazi. The Walt Disney story. Well, no, not the Walt Disney. Oh, that's that's like a turn. So I'll move on. January 15th. Speaking of Walt Disney, January 15th, 1955, Walt Disney announces, you know what? We're going to go ahead and uh, and put Tomorrowland into Disneyland. Now, keep in mind, this is January 15th. Um, the park would open in July of this year, of 1955. So in six months, uh, Disneyland went from, eh, I guess we'll have this attraction because of, of, or this land. The land wasn't even supposed to be a part of the opening day of Disneyland. But Walt said, you know what? Let's do it. And in six months, they constructed an entire land. Think about that the next time you're at Epcot. Six months, an entire land. <laughs> um, uh, January 15th. We're still on 1975 Space Mountain. Speaking of Tomorrowland, Space Mountain opens up at the Walt Disney World version of Tomorrowland. And as well, same day, its neighbor, the Carousel of Progress, opens up at the Walt Disney World. Carousel of Progress, um, super popular attraction from the New York World's Fair, would then go over to Disneyland, and then they would actually package up the entire attraction at Disneyland. They just packed. So it wasn't like, okay, so they have a space mountain at Disneyland and a space mountain at Disney world. And they're just like, Hey, so make this similar, maybe not necessarily the same thing, but make no, no, no. They literally closed up the carousel of progress at Disneyland, packed it into, um, a, a, well, I don't want to say a truck, probably several trucks, uh, two men, on, two men in a truck, actually. Um, uh, or it might have been college hunks hauling junk uh, over to Orlando and rebuilt the Carousel of Progress. So when you see the Carousel of Progress over at the, the Walt Disney World, know that it was that once a seat you're sitting in once sat at Disneyland. Uh, and then let's see, 1955. Oh, I'm sorry, 1955. Uh, January 15th, night. Uh, so I, I was going backwards. Nope, 1990. We talked about Michael Eisner earlier in his Owl's theme, but prior to that, January 15th, 1990, Michael Eisner announces a fourth Walt Disney Park, obviously eight years prior to the opening of Animal Kingdom. They did not know it was going to be Animal Kingdom. They just announced that it would be a fourth park at the Walt Disney World. During this same, um, same announcement, Michael Eisner also announced uh, that they were developing a Soviet Union pavilion at Epcot's World Showcase. Um, Obviously, this did not happen, but um, yeah, it would be interesting to to think about during 1990, uh, what Cold War War was like on the fringe of ending – and uh, they would put a Soviet Union pavilion. Where I don't even know where that would be. I don't even know where. I mean, 
I don't know, next time you're at next time you're at, at Epcot, just walk around and pretend you're going to the Soviet Union. So I'm guessing obviously it would have changed to the Russia Pavilion after a while. Um, but I wonder if some of those like uh, other smaller countries that were part of the Soviet Union would also be included after the disbandment of the Soviet Union. So a little something to think about next time you're at Epcot. So we're going to move on to the last day this week, January 16th, 1994. I've talked a lot about the marathons uh, at Walt Disney World over the past two weeks because, well, it's like the the, first, the second weekend of the second Sunday of January is usually the um, the marathon weekend. So we do we do tend to talk about that uh, during these weeks. But 1994, January 16th, 1994, the very first Walt Disney World marathon was held, featuring 8,500 runners. I believe last year's uh, marathon included 25. Thousand runners, so it has grown in in twenty five plus years from eighty five hundred runners to twenty five thousand runners, and that doesn't even include the half marathon or the five k or the ten k. So, uh, man, I would love to run a marathon with eighty five with only eighty five hundred runners at uh, at Walt Disney World. Although, I'd probably get a, a bigger chance of of being swept or you know finishing last. But uh, there's actually some people who have run. I, I, I wish I knew the exact number, uh, but there are people who have run every single Walt Disney World Marathon since 1994, obviously, except for the 2021 marathon, which isn't happening. So come on, everyone. Let's, uh, let's get better and uh, so we can do this next year in 2022. And our last thing for this week, January 16th, 2003, Aladdin, a musical spectacular, opens up at Disney California Adventures Hyperion Theater. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, very similar to um, the Aladdin Broadway stage. The genie just uh, runs amok. Is, uh, he has like a... He has a script, but he's a little, he's allowed to ad lib and they, he all, he often throws in uh, whatever topical pop culture uh, things are going on. There's a lot of, when I went, there was a lot of Justin Bieber jokes <laughs> thrown out and you're like, wow, he's talking about Justin Bieber and Aladdin the musical. So, uh, but still a, a lot of fun. Unfortunately, not there anymore. Uh, it was replaced. Aladdin was replaced with Frozen at the uh, Hyperion Theater, which I think I've, I'm pretty, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen Frozen. Yes, I have seen Frozen there because uh, they, Olaf goes nuts there. But yes, so Aladdin, a musical spectacular opens in Disney California Adventure on this date in 2003. Uh, I'd like to thank you guys for hanging out with me again for another podcast of This Week in Disney History. Oh man, we're getting into uh, mid-January now, so a lot of oh, man. There's some a lot of fun things next week, including somebody's birthday. So um, if you are looking to give presents, I know somebody with a birthday coming up next week. Uh, <laughs> that being said, please, uh, please if you're wa- if you're listening, not watching, if you're listening to this on the iTunes or Spotify or on my website, please hit that subscribe button. So that way I, uh, I know just how many listeners I have going on as that is the easiest way to be able to tell, 
uh, my listeners. Uh, I've gotten way better numbers on the podcast than I did on the YouTubes because the YouTubes numbers lie. So, um, but yeah, this way I can I can show people, get uh, get advertisers, and uh, have a lot more fun and do a lot more things with this week in Disney history. So thank you again very much for hanging out. And, you know, again, head over to the YouTubes for past episodes and some brand new episodes of the Milo Beasley show. Uh, last week, um, I had Dragon Ball Z's Josh Martin. This week is comedian Brian Brushword. And uh, yeah, a lot of fun things going on in the world of Milo Beasley. So thank you for listening and we'll see you next week for this week in Disney history.